Alright, how you doing, mixed martial arts maniacs? Today's episode is sponsored by the BJJShop.co.uk. If you can't be bothered to just order stuff online like the rest of us, you'll be able to always find the BJJ Shop at some of their pop-up shops, BJJ 24-7, run by Lawrence Dutton, or at Sub 15, run by Sean Matthews. I'm compare at those shows, so come and see me too. Trust me, get your picture with me. I'll make you famous. This is Mick Tully and you're listening to Mixed Martial Arts. Hey guys, how you doing? On today's show, it's actually, he's going to kill me and I'm sitting right beside him so I'm taking my life in my own hands here because he's a pretty pretty ferocious boxer back in his day. It's a dear friend of mine and I have to say, when I first started grappling, he was the one guy that actually saved me because I think I would have given up a few times if he hadn't looked after me. Uh, and if you ever go on Facebook, you ever see that? That's actually a legendary, iconic picture now of me on someone's shoulders, looking like I'm about to shit my pants as I'm going to get thrown. That was on Brian's shoulders. It's the one and only Brian Collier. How are you, mate? Yeah, I'm getting there, mate. I'm on the road to recovery. You are on the road to recovery because normally what we do is we sit down, we talk a bit of nonsense about martial arts and stuff, and you know the training that we're doing at the moment and everything. And if you don't mind me saying. You're one of the strange guys, in a good way, that I actually... Because you're a martial arts... You're a mate of mine through martial arts, but I, I would never ever say you were a martial artist. You were a fighter, and when you were boxing, you were, yeah, you were an athlete, but you never struck me as a martial artist, martial artist. Do you, do you, do you, do you see where I'm coming from here? Yeah, I don't, I don't know how to different between martial arts, and it's just like a package for me. Yeah, but you see, this is the thing, because back in... you know. When you were first doing it, especially when you started getting into the grappling and everything, mate, there was still a lot of voodoo hoodoo nonsense in martial arts. You know, guys wearing pajamas and <laughs> you know the one punch knockout and all of that. Yeah, uh, but I did going back before I even thought about boxing. I did uh, karate, Wadaru. I didn't know this. Yeah, I did uh, with uh, John Miller, Sensei John Miller. With Johnny, yeah. really? Sensei Carlo Rossi. Do you know what this is? Do you know how cool this is because. That's I actually started training with Jim O'Brien. Yeah, I know Jim. Yeah. yeah, up at the sports, sports was it the center. sports center yeah, in, the, sports. in the long room. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Gaz Kavanagh, God rest his soul, he's dead now. But yeah, yeah. he's the reason why I left that because I love Johnny Miller, love Carlo Rossi. Uh, Franz used to be there as well. Loxley Porter was there. Tony. Tony, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. And look, but Gaz Kavanagh was a brown belt there, and he used to batter me when I was sixteen. And you remember him? He was a bit of a bully. Yeah, yeah. he's brown bread now, but you know he used to bully me a little bit. <laughs> and then I was like, do you know what? I'm not having this. I'll come back. I caught him a few years later when he used to turn up and join us. But I never knew how long were you at the Wadi yeah, for? Yeah, I went for a good few years. Um, but I was the opposite, where people would only go on the technique nights. I didn't like the technique nights. I liked the sparring nights. So no kata, you didn't like the no, kata? No, I just rather, I think Thursday night they'd all get together and have like a tear up. Yeah. That's the nights I enjoyed, I didn't really like the going through and what, the kata. Yeah, and what got, you, what got you through, why did you go into karate then? I don't know, because I used to train down the sports centre, you know, the dungeon downstairs? Yes. And Carlo and John were training there all the time. They, they were machines back in the oh, day, oh. eh? Just machines, especially Carlo. Car- Carlo had an eight-pack when no one had an eight-pack. Oh, yeah, he was on it. I used to walk in the gym, he'd be training amps. I'd train, I'd walk out, and he was still training his amps. 
Jesus. So they invited me up. And then what, how did you go from there to boxing? Uh, I met Noel Rafferty. <laughs> oh, now that's a character right there. Now that's the guy I want to get on. The, I want to get him because he's legendary in Coventry. Well, he took me over to uh, the Shakespeare pub in Birmingham. Right. And uh, I'd not done anything. And he put me in the ring with Lloyd Hibbert and some other British champion. Jesus. And I got knocked about a bit. But uh, And he come for me the following week and I... He probably thought I wouldn't go, but I was like, no, I'm not letting this happen. So I started going with Noel, going up there, and just went on from there. Then, you know, I got to meet some great people, Lee Ferry, Keesham Clayton. Yeah, oh, Jesus, yeah. Keesham's still about, you know. I know, yeah. And yeah. I'll tell you what, last time I saw Lee Ferry, Lee Ferry was up, he was up at the red corner, I think he's over now, uh, uh, with Germans, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Over there, and still banger, still a banger. He, I just, I love Lee. Yeah. He taught me so much. Really? Taught me how to, you know, throw the hooks, body shots. He was really inspirational to how I wanted to do it. Because you, the, the other one as well is with you with the boxing. You don't do anything by halves because you've been over to Vegas. You've do, you've you've been you've been a few places with the with the fighting, right? Yeah, I've travelled a little bit. Yeah. yeah. Tell us a little bit about it. It's, for me, it's not about fighting. I just like to learn the art of different martial arts. Yeah. Really, I'm a bit selfish. I like to learn it for me. Don't we all? And, you know, I like to try my hand at this and I like to test myself at this. It's never about fighting per se as fighting. Yeah. I just, like I say, I'm a very selfish person. I like to learn. And then when I've sort of mastered that art, well, you never really master it. No. You know, you get some of the tools and then you move on to another art. Like I say, I started karate. Then I started in the boxing. And then I met Crew Mark Beale. Oh, wow. Then he beat me up a few times. Now, that, now that guy, he isn't... He, yeah, he's in shape, but he just looks like a normal normal yeah. guy. A little bit of a skinny lad. He, you know, uh, Mark will hate me for saying this, but Mark was still rocking a baseball cap 10 years, 10 years longer than he should have been. And you look at him and you go, that guy, why is he wearing that baseball cap? Yeah. And then the next thing you know, like, and for Muay Thai, unsurpassed. That, yeah, K1 you, champion. Yeah, that, um, British, the, European. Uh, do you know what? The only the only thing I think with yeah, he fought some of the big big names as well. Evil Denton. It, oh, Jesus! Now you're talking. Evil Denton is like Benjamin Button. That guy is still. <laughs> have you seen him recently? He gets younger. He's, yeah, he is getting younger. He's getting younger. But yeah, um, what what did you like about the Muay Thai? Um, at first, I did. I thought his kicking stuff was nonsense. Yeah. You know, being naive. Yeah. And I said to my eye, you want to learn to use your hands properly? This, these legs kicks. Anyway, long story short, I went and sparred Mark and he leg kicked me and I was on the floor. Yeah. It was brutal. And I was like, Jesus Christ, I need to learn this. Yeah. So you couldn't learn off a better person. No, no so, certainly not. Certainly not. So I took, you know, that was another tool that I took in. But all this time as well, I was a doorman. So I wanted to be always in front. I didn't yeah. want to ever get caught out. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I wanted to be prepared. So I tried to, you know. Yeah, but that, yeah, but you see, this is the this is the funny thing because of that era, there wasn't many guys who were actually training. Uh, yeah, uh, you know, as doorman, you know, as long as you were in half decent shape, and you know, half decent shape, half decent team behind you, uh, there was no repercussions. There was none of this. I'm going to sue you or anything. No. You give the guy a tune up round the back, and that was it, right? Yeah. No police. No nothing. No. No. And. I've, I've never thought about it like that when you say it just being ahead of the game a little bit and that's against guys who really want to go against you because they're pissed up but then going against trained guys and where, where was this on the door was this oh 
First of all, I, I did most of the rounds in Coventry with Noel, Colin Campbell. Oh gosh. I remember when he took me up there the first night and when I got there, there was all these bikes and a big curve all the way around. I was like, no, what you got me into? <laughs> it was just me and him and oh. the pub was full of bikers. But you know what? Some of the nicest blokes you'll ever meet. Yeah, yeah. The, the, the Campbell's still a decent, still yeah. a decent place now. And then we moved on to Stratford, worked for some Mr. Neil Moffat. Yeah, Jesus, yeah. yeah. Well, another name. Yeah, because how did you find Stratford? Because Stratford's a funny place. Very, uh, the people there are very, I don't like to be rude, but they're very up themselves. Yes. Think they, you know, they just think they're better than everybody. That's how it come across to me. Not yeah. all of them. And uh, do you know what? I had probably more trouble there than I did in Coventry. Well, yeah, the, the only real, said, you know, I had quite a few scuffles in Coventry, but they're all looking back on it now. At the time, you think it's like really important. You're like, and you think that the whole world is thinking about it, and none of them are. No. You know, and it, but it's huge to you. But the only real time was up against the guy who, for me, was over in Leamington Spa, and I was literally I broke every single rule that I used to live by in Coventry. These people that are supposedly it's an affluent area, and you go there and you're like, they're all they're, they're, they're just toe rags with better accents. I yeah. Think. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That, so, how did you go then? Because jiu so I want to find out how you got into that. Um, long story short, another boxer that I know is one of my closest friends, Darren Blythe. Oh, yeah. Classic boxer. he come around my house one day and he'd said he'd been learning this. Uh, it was grappling then, it wasn't jiu-jitsu. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Terry Two Ears. Oh, Jesus. Terry Two Ears had a stroke. Yeah, 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 yeah. That was in a, a training, uh, a grading. Yeah. He got punched in the head and he had a hemorrhage. Yeah, because I remember because everyone was blaming it on getting choked out. That was in the early nineties, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was where that was when Al Pizan was choking people out on the door, and everyone thought it was black magic. Yeah, because he just had his arms around his neck, and then he went to sleep. Well, that's what happened to me. Daz come up, and uh, obviously I know Daz through the boxing, and he goes, "Come out into your garden. I want to show you this new stuff I've been doing." Bearing in mind, Daz at the time was probably ten and a half stone, and I was seventeen. Wow. Went into the garden. Next thing I know, I'm asleep. Really? Yeah, it choked me out. He didn't, even, he didn't even teach you how to tap no, first? No, he did. He just choked me oh, out. And I was like, I was sort of like, wow, what's this? And he said, like I say, at the time it was grappling. So then he introduced me to Justin Gray and fellow. But, uh, and then I met, who's still my coach today, and I look up to massively, Matty Evans. Awesome. Matty and Justin were trailblazers. Yeah. And, yeah, especially even now with Matt, Yeah, Matty's still, you know, I think Justin's not really doing much training now. Yeah. But yeah, Matty's still at it. So, yeah, I did seven years with Matty. Yes. With the British Combat Association, and he taught me, you know, the basis of what grappling was like then. Yes. The rough fish hooking and elbows. It, it, was, it was rough and tumble. Rough and tumble, yeah. Yeah. There was a basis there. Yeah, I stayed with Matty for ages. And then another friend of mine, a lad called Dave Thomas. Yes. He said to me, oh, I've been doing jiu-jitsu in Birmingham. I'll, I'll take you over. And I said, well, I didn't really know what jiu-jitsu was. He said, it's always just like the grappling. So I went over, and obviously it was Braulio Steamer's place. <laughs> so yeah. I, I went went to one of the classes, you know, the open mat. Yeah. And I learned what my leg was for for tapping. Really? <laughs> yeah. Tied up every other part of your body, right? Oh, I just got just got beat up, basically. Not not in a bad way. No. But submitted at will, and I thought I was on a decent level. Wow. So then um, Dave was good friends with Braulio, so I approached Braulio and said, "Like, I'd get, like to get some private lessons." Yeah. So I did no gi with Braulio on and off seven years. But yeah. it, for me, it was more, I'd go to Braulio and we'd have a bit of a lesson and he'd say, you just want to roll, don't you? And I said, yeah, you know it. <laughs> so most of the lesson was rolling. 
Yeah, but do you know what? He forged a sword. Yeah, but yeah, but rolling with Bradley, I see Matt. Who's <laughs> still, but Bradley, Bradley, yeah, it's always between Roger and Bradley as far as I'm concerned. Anyway, you know, all the new guys come and go, but there's, yeah, there's a lot of the lot of the yeah, Bichette and guys like that. They have got they got the work cut out to get to that level. Yeah, you know, and yeah, that was Bradley when he was on a tear, right? Yeah, but the, you know what the difference though with Bradley I found um, very gentle, nothing to prove. It would submit you, but it would submit you with grace. Yeah. No rough. And he, sometimes he'd tell me what I was going to submit me with. Oh. It would tell me, and I'd be like, no, it's not going to happen. And he would do it. Well, you see, this is it. This is a good point for me to cut in on this. One time, actually, I remember you arm, You were working on something, and it was a Kimura that, it was a Kimura that went to an armbar. And literally, even now, I still feel it every now and again. Because I'm telling you now, man, you're one of the toughest guys I ever came up against. But how did you go then from Nogi? Well, I stuck with uh, Brownie, and he kept, he kept saying to me, Brian, you know, if you want to get graded, yeah, you've got to put a gi on. And I yeah. just, I was doing a lot of MMA training then. Yeah. And I, it, I thought it was more this Nogi stuff helped with the MMA training. Yeah. And I just, but then I started seeing people that I knew that, uh, you know, had been grappling long after me and then they were like getting blues and purples. And I was like, well, hold on a minute. Yeah, I want a bit of that, yeah. I'm not being disrespectful to anyone, but I've rolled with some of these guys, blues, purples, and I'm just eating them for breakfast. Yeah. And I'm still a white belt. So then I, uh, obviously I knew Stuart grew up pretty well. Yeah. And I <laughs> said to Stuart, um, Stuart was a black belt then anyway, so we're years on. Yeah. And I said to Stuart, oh, look, I want to put a gi on. And he sort of laughed at me, he goes, you're going to wear a gi? I said, yeah, seriously, Stuart, I'm going to put a gi on. And I said, I want you to train me. Because Bradley was very busy at the time then. Yeah. So I went and trained with Stuart. And it was like really, obviously he was a lot better than me, but he had the same mentality as me. It was just, it was just war. Yeah. It was constant war after war. But do you know what? I learned so much because I, I spent my lessons defending myself. But what I'll say is, I asked for it. Yeah. It was never... He never bullied me. He never put pressure on me. I would say, no, let's let's have a tear up. That's what I wanted. Yeah. I'd go through the necessary drills to learn what I want to learn. But like I did with Braulio, I'll just say, you know what? Let's just roll, bro. Yeah. So we'd have roll. And apart from Braulio, obviously, I'd never met a man that wasn't really massive. That had. He was just like a great. His strength was. Strength is and his pressure game. Yeah, his pressure. His pressure passing game is yeah, just not like else. weight training strength. No, no, no. It's just. just when he got older me I was like how can this little man be doing this to me yeah. <laughs> do you know what I mean he's not, he's not a small man but yeah, he's, yeah but, but for he, me he was yeah he was he yeah, was yeah. 17 stone jeez yeah but the more I rolled with him then I'd come back by then obviously I'd open the Mercia yeah and then I'd roll with mere mortals after rolling with Stuart and it was like it was like I was rolling with children but, but do you know what this is funny because I remember I remember because downstairs at the time Lucky Madhar had downstairs right and uh, it was really funny because, yeah, obviously I'd heard of you years before we ever met. And it was very bizarre because when in, there's some MMA guys upstairs. I really don't know what's going on. And then you walk downstairs. I went, trust me, the guy's fucking legit. Just, you better leave it. I said, I wouldn't cause any trouble. Yeah, but it's a gym upstairs and a gym downstairs. Will it work out? And I went, the guys that go up there want it, want it. I said, yeah. And again, it's, what, it's the th- great thing about martial arts. There's room for it for everybody. Even now in jiu-jitsu, I, I do believe this, for it to grow, there's that people will turn around and go, ah, it's got watered down, it's got softer. There's always going to be killers. There's always going to be a Mark Goddard and a Rich Edwards and a Matty Nazar in your class. Yeah. 
but there's also going to be guys that go in there and they need the jujitsu for other stuff in their life. You know what Do I mean? Us as well. You can choose. <laughs> if you want to go to the easy class, no disrespect, that's that's fine. Yeah. But if you want to progress, you've got to go with the Stuart Wilts, the Braulios, the guys that and, and Adam Berman, guys yeah. like this. The Neil Simpkins. Neil. The guys the guys that you go in there and this is gonna be a Now you mentioned Neil Simpkin, I, I have to say Neil is one of the nicest. I just love that bloke. My brother from another mother. I tell you what, that as I've said before, right? and he always gets embarrassed when I say this. I've I have Danny Osanto, Rick Fay. Terry Barnett and Neil Simpkin and I always say my martial arts is like a table and you know what just one leg on that table is enough but I'm blessed to have four yeah. and you know what you know when you're walking through that door you're walking through that door you go on the mat and I'll tell you right now Neil doesn't care who you are how famous you are or right now you're judged on what you're doing for the next hour but he is he's, again he's a true martial artist right oh he's, he's and he's he- I like martial artists and I know Neil's tough but what I like about them sort of people is they're in a person they don't come across they've got no ego you can sit down you can talk about I don't know you can talk about anything yes they're real people they're not they don't want to sit down and pretend you know I meet people all the time and all they want to do is talk about fighting and you just I don't want to talk about fighting and these people that talk can't fight anyway you know it's the old paper tiger thing and it really is the truth because you meet them now and it's you know, it's that point where, I don't know, I think it's the age that we're at now, where you go in and they start talking, and I'm like, I'd rather talk about Game of Thrones. I'd rather talk about anything than what you want to talk about. about. I did this, I beat them. Oh, and, and you know what, you look at them and you go, you wouldn't, you wouldn't, you wouldn't get through the warm-up. No. You would not no. get through the warm-up. And what was it about the gi then that you enjoyed? Well, do you know what, well, I, I was so against it, I didn't, it was not for me because I was against all this it was like a transformation because no gi you're always pushing away trying to make space yeah. get away then all of a sudden I'll tell you who I trained with it. I've decided before I went there I trained with Ian Finch oh Jesus and he was another doing gi ki- yeah another killer well, no gi he would admit it I just used to smash him like he was a child yeah. and I went I put a gi on and went and rolled with him and he treated me like a puppet. Well, Vinci was, Vinci was battering me, I think, the day that you looked over because Vinci, because yeah, he'd won, he's won the, he'd won the British Open a couple yeah. of times, yeah, yeah, white yeah. belt and then blue belt and, uh, you know, number plate in his car is Jim Rat. The yeah. guy's in, he's in very great, great shape. shape. Yeah. yeah, very good shape and he's a top, and you know what, again with him is, gentleman, gent and dead quiet, yeah, de- then in a zoom in, yeah. and literally sometimes you you're like, is this guy gonna open up? And then when you get to know him, and you're like, wow, cool well, guy. I trained. This is relates to why I asked Stuart. I trained with Ian, and I, at the time I didn't know what Delaheva was. Yeah, and he put me in Delaheva, and he had my sleeves and my feet, and he was just, and I could not get out of it. Really, and I was starting to lose lose the plot. Yeah, I wanted to punch his face in because he was sort of like embarrassing me. Yeah, and I was like, what is I just wanted to reach over, you know, but he's yeah. my friend. So I went to Stuart and I showed him what Ian had done to me. And I said, I said to uh, Stuart, I said, I don't want to learn that. I want to learn how to defend that. We'll be back to the interview in a moment, but I just want to say thanks to the BJJshop.co.uk who made today's episode possible. Check them out for all your geese and all your BJJ and MMA gear. In fact, all your martial arts gear. And look out for their pop-up shops at... BJJ 24-7 competitions. If you're looking for some really hard to find items for your BJJ and your MMA training, go to the 
bjjshop.co.uk. Trust me, there's some of the best in the business. Yeah, you know, one of your biggest heroes is the man himself, right? Yeah, Vandalay Silva. Vandalay Silva. Uh, and, you know, a man who I personally think is horrendously skilled and a wicked martial artist, but is only known for his resilience and his toughness, right? His jiu-jitsu is... Unsurpassed. Yeah. He's very, very good. Yeah, uh, but... Once I seen him and I watched him, I tried to every time I sparred, I just that was what I'd do. I'd just blitz people, <laughs> do that with the hands yeah, on the way in, yeah. Just just try and smash them. That would be. But I was lucky enough to have a load of big blokes my own size, and and, and they were up for it. Well, that's it. If you don't mind, we'll ju- just mention, yeah, because one of the times that w- which was a right uh, eye opener for me was when you were training with Monson. Oh yeah, um, another good friend of mine, Coach Paul Hudson. Yeah, the red <laughs> he, he asked like me, a human being, but bigger, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, Paul's he's a great. monster. Well, he had a uh, Jeff. He'd met Jeff, and then he phoned me up one day. He goes, "I want to bring this bloke up to train." He's like, "Guys, bring up, you know me." I said, "Bring whoever you want." Yeah, bring bring, bring Godzilla. Yeah, bring him. Yeah. So he come through the door, and I was like, "I knew who it was straight away." Jesus Christ! And then Paul introduced me, and I just thought, I just thought, fuck it, this is Jeff Monson. I said, "Paul, I'll have a spa with him." So I put some gloves on. Straight away, I had to tear up with him. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. How'd you find him? Stand up with my hands, comfortable. Really? Comfortable, not a problem. Yeah. Not a problem. Uh, but as soon as he took me down, uh, Jesus, he passed my guard like butter. Did he? Yeah, he just north south north south choked me. Yeah, yeah, that was it. That that was his game. I, I saw him at the ADCCs, and then I think you were there that time with yeah. Matty. When Matty hosted him up in Fozil. Yeah. And I went there and I was like, you know, so you know, I was, me being a geek, I was like, yeah, I don't know, what's it, Muay Thai, boxing, wrestling? And he went, uh, no, boxing and boxing and, and, and wrestling. And I was like, jiu-jitsu? No, not really that interested in it. And I, 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 I'll admit to you, I was gutted because I was like, fuck, man, I, I, was, I wanted him to be a jiu-jitsu. I wanted him to be everything that I was training in. And he was like, no, boxing, boxing and wrestling. That's, well, and just be, be tough. Do you know what? He did, I did three camps with him. Um, Pedro Hizzo two uh, Josh Barnett yeah yeah and then there was another I can't remember who it was he asked Paul Hudson that he wanted to train with me right he chose to come up you know and I'd like to put the record straight there's so many people said oh yeah I trained with Jeff Monson I did with Jeff. it's a load of all rubbish yeah there was I'll tell you who me Matty Paul Hudson and there was another guy from uh, Red Corner a young lad would spar him but most of his sparring it was me seriously Right. I sparred with him every day. He'd been round my house having dinner with me and we'd go up the gym. And he told me, this is gospel truth, I don't tell Paul, because he told me I taught him things that he hadn't even done in American Top Team. Really? Yeah. Well, that, that's the thing I've always said to you. I've always told, told you, you're one of the guys that I think is it's ridiculous that you don't you don't either own a gym or you're teaching classes. Well, I, sparred, I did a lot of Greco with him as well. Right. And he was shocked at how I could control him standing up. Really? Yeah. <laughs> and then, like we say, with spars, there was a time he wanted to kill me because we sparred and I, I wobbled him quite bad. Really? Yeah, and he went back to Red Corn and he told Glenn and Paul that he wanted to kill me. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, my, my claim to fame with Jeff Monson is my instructor Rick Fay was over and I took him up to the Red Corner because whatever way it worked out, somebody had, somebody had welched on hosting him. So he was up with me. I was having him the next day and he said, we'll just go and we'll work out. And I went, I'll take you to a place. You're going to love it. It's a red corner. And we go in there. And Rick's from Minneapolis, uh, Minnesota. Jeff's from Minnesota, but I think he's yeah. around Duluth or somewhere like that, up north. And he's he comes in, we say hi and everything. 
and then he uh, he turns around and says, uh, I think it was Matty actually. Him and Matty said, can you can you help help start it? What is it? Just hold Jeff's shoulders down. You know what I'm going to say now. The adjustment with it. Oh yeah. So we lie on his back, shoulders shoulders back, and then he bring one leg across. Oh. Yeah, and it was whatever. It was, if an osteopath did it, I'd be scared. But he was getting. I think he was getting Matty to jump on his. Yeah. Jump on his leg to put his hips. His lower it, back. This is lower back. And as he did it, I turned around and I said, I'm going to tell everyone that I pinned Jeff Monson. Because I had to hold his shoulders down. And he went, yeah, do whatever you want, buddy. But uh, I'll tell you what, another thing about Jeff, you couldn't break him. No? I put him through some circuits that would kill a man. Car pushing, pulling portals on the hill with dumbbells. Lap after lap after lap. Not once did he break. I pushed and pushed. And I've, I've trained lots of guys and they've not been able to do it. He just kept going. Really, non-stop. Well, he, he he was some. I saw him at the ADCCs, and then I, yeah. And again, it was when I first started out. I used to really love his game, but then the more jujitsu I did, the more I was like, man, you're just manhandling people now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I want to. I want to see. I want to see the art suave. I want to see the beautiful stuff. So ever since I ever since we first spoke and you told me, and you know I've caught you a couple of times in pretty bad shape. Yeah, and. It's to do with like you know just mental health, and I'm gonna let you roll with this, and we're just gonna okay bring it, bring it see where this takes us. So when I was training with Stuart Gwill, I was I was adamant. I only wanted to get to purple belt. That was my goal. Right. Because you know that, that purple is yeah. It's the one you gotta get. You're 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 in the ten percent then, aren't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ninety percent have failed. You're in the ten. I never even thought about brown belt. Never even thought about black belt. But the way I got promoted from Stuart and let me just say something about Stuart Gwilt. If you get promoted from Stuart Gwilt, you're doing well. Yeah. He don't give out stripes like there. No, no, he doesn't give mad like sweeties. Yeah. No. So anyway, uh, for three years I was doing jiu-jitsu in Birmingham, travelling back to Coventry, weight training. Then I was going to boxing class. Then I was going to mighty striking class. Then I was yeah. riding my bike, running, day after day after day after day after day. But I started to notice um, I was stuttering a lot. Yeah. My memory was not brilliant, but I just put it down to age. Yeah. Um, I just noticed I, w- I wasn't right. There was something, but I couldn't, couldn't put my finger on it. Yes. And then I started getting, um, it's really embarrassing, but I started getting teary. Just mm. little things I'm telling you were triggering me off. Like teary, you know, and, I, and that's just... Well, I remember I was working across the road. Yeah. And I came to see you that day, and, and I was, I was in like, tears. "Yeah," and I, I couldn't get it. And the, yeah, we've we've had a couple of chats because obviously, you know, I've had the panic attacks. You know, I tried to kill myself twice before I was sixteen. But when you're younger, you, you, I don't know if it's the fact that you can't process it that helps. Because as yeah. you get older, once you start processing it, you're going, "What the fuck's wrong with me? I, I, I've had forty years where I've been a functioning member of society, and that what's happened? Why am I breaking apart now?" Yeah. And like your character, my character, you know, I don't ever want to sound like, I, I didn't really know what fear was. I wasn't. Ah, that's it, for ordinary people, right? Yeah, I'd be I'm scared of flying, I'll admit that. Yeah. But I wasn't scared of, you know, like I said, when I used to go to classes and it was technique class, I used to think, oh, yeah. let's just spar. You know, yeah. I'd, I'd spar anybody, you know, and that's all I did all day long. Even when I had my own gym, I, yes. morning to night, spar, spar, spar. Anyway, I, I woke up one night, um, I don't even know. I don't even know how to explain. I woke up and I was petrified. Yeah. Like there's something real bad was going to happen to me. Jumped out of bed, said to the wife, I was like, "Babe," she's like, "What's the matter?" I goes, "I don't know. Something terrible is going to happen." Mm. Uh, went back to bed. Then it started happening again and again, and then I started getting really, really dizzy. 
real bad headaches, constant headache, migraines. I'm talking migraines that had me on the floor. Fuck. Crying a lot with the pain. Uh, I had scans. Bearing in mind as well, like the last three years, I must have been choked out three or four times a week. Yeah, you see, this is you see, this is the thing that I've I've often wanted to ask you. Do you think that some of the training, some of the hard training, has? Yeah, I, well, after my scans and all that, and speaking to the, a neurosurgeon, brain surgeon, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, you see, I had the same with my hearing. Well, the neurosurgeon explained to me that every time you get choked out, it's more or less a concussion. Really? Well, the oxygen's getting deprived to your brain. Yeah. So you know, that's damage. Yeah. And. You know, I just like to say as well, it was my own choosing. Yeah, it was. You know, same here. Yeah, I I wanted to train like that, and obviously when you're training with a, a quality black black like Stuart, you're going to get checked out. Yeah, and I got checked out regularly. Then you know it got worse. You know, one day I was at Tesco's, just up the road from where I live. Yeah, I didn't know how to get home. Really? Yeah, I was in the car, phoned up my wife, crying. I didn't know where the house was. Anyway, I ended up in a. They took me to I went to the calendar center. I freaked out at home. Yeah. Uh, the wife obviously knew there was something wrong. All the trainings just had a breakdown, overtraining, and I've got, you know, problems with my brain. And then this dizziness came. Yeah. I was constantly dizzy. I'm, I'm talking like sh- being on a ship. I remember you saying, Every yeah. time I got out of bed or moved around the house, it was like the whole house was spinning and it wouldn't stop. Ooh. And I had constant migraines. So long story short, I had all these tests. I'm I'm doing now. I'm doing a. I'm going to Warwick University to help. Um, there's that thing. I've not been diagnosed with it, but it's a possibility. There's a thing called CTE. What's that? It's like trauma to the brain. Really? Uh, yeah, it can cause. You know, they can't diagnose it anyway. It right. can be a possibility, but it can't be diagnosed until you're dead. Oh, uh, do you know what? I read about this. Because, and again, believe it or not, my friend, it's all down to you. Because I've had this theory for a long time now that I think I said to you before, because you're such a physical, active guy, that your 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 mental state of health is completely and utterly linked with how functional you are as a person, right? Exactly. And then when I, I literally, I, I actually ran my wife after I saw you the first time and then I was a bit of a nose and called around a few times when I shouldn't have called around. I was just caught, I was basically making sure you were okay. And I, I was saying to my wife, I said, I'm sure it's down to the training. And Annie says, you guys in that silly training. And I was like, I'm not being funny, Annie. I said, but, but the jujitsu probably hasn't helped. I said, but back in the day when we were having like wars and like really going for it, and you know, you look back at it now and you just go, it was good at the time, but looking now and you go, foolhardy. More importantly than that, is all the stuff that comes with it. Yeah. It's like the, like the mood swings, oh. the madness. You know, I like literally, yeah, the reason I stopped drinking was I got to 32 years of age and I was homicidal thoughts nearly every single day. And everyone was going, you know, oh, well, it was just a panic attack. I went, no, that was self-medicating. Everything I was doing was putting a lid on what was in there. And then it was afterwards, it was like, yeah, it was all that mad, it was all the madness. Yeah, and it, it's not good. Well, if, you, if I worked it out, you know, I was probably started training 21, 22. I'm 50-something now. Yeah. So you're talking 30 years. Yeah. And when it was karate, I was sparring. Yeah. And the tie, I was sparring. Boxing, sparring. And then when I had the Mercia, you know, I'd get to work at 9 o'clock in the morning and I'd leave there at 9 o'clock at night. 
I'd be sparring rugger players. Yeah, I had people coming from days. yeah, Leamington, tough, tough days Les, people yeah. travelling from Leicester, and I just you know you can't have your own gym and be teaching and not spar because as soon as they say do you want to spar, I'd be like yeah, yeah, definitely, yeah. So you know that's an accumulation of it all. And then when I like I seen the surgeons and I had the scans, they told me that basically no training, yeah, nothing. And how um, did you, how did you? Well, I didn't I didn't listen. Yeah, I carried on doing jiu-jitsu. I got choked out one day and I woke up and I was deaf. Wow. Uh, it was The choke was that deep. Uh, I woke up, couldn't hear out one ear and then that sort of went, got better and then this dizziness just, bam. So I kept trying to go to the gym, kept trying to train because everyone was saying when you're depressed you should keep training. You get the endorphin and the serotonin yeah. level up, get yourself back. But that, yeah. Yeah, it was more than depression. Uh, a statistic about depression, people think, uh, affairs and faithfulness uh, things like that make men depressed 90% of depression is caused by continuous pain really yeah you can look it up if you're in continuous pain for a long time it causes severe depression so mm-hmm. I wasn't allowed to train I was dizzy I couldn't get out of bed yeah. I couldn't watch the telly because the telly moved too fast wow I couldn't focus I couldn't use my phone because I couldn't look at it yeah so I remember listening to a podcast yesterday with Mr Pillage and yourself and he kept saying, is this all my life is? Yeah. Well, imagine a life where you can't get out of bed because you're dizzy. Oh, God. And it's not for a day. It's been over a year. Wow. And it's only just started to subside now. Yeah. The lowest point was uh, I decided that was the end of the days. I couldn't cope no more. Really? Yeah, I sold my car, paid all my debts off. That I, had, I owed a bit of money on a few credit cards, paid all them off. I know people don't believe in sort of nonsense, but I think God was looking over me that one day because my daughter never comes home at dinner time. I was sat right. on my bed because obviously all the pills the doctors had put me on, I had enough to kill <laughs> bloody well, uh, yeah. a football team. <laughs> Antipsychotics, anti-diazepam. I was on about 10 different drugs. I remember I remember when you told me you were on the antipsychotics. Yeah, and they put like, me on wow. And I just took them because I thought they were going to make me better. Yeah. Anyway, so like I said, I was sat on my bed. I had that. I had all these tablets in my hands, and I thought, you know what? All I'll do is I'll go to sleep. Yeah. And that's it. That'll be it. No more pain. No more suffering. Life. I've done everything I need to do. I thought, well, I'm 50. Training's going to go downhill anyway, so I've done it all. What I wanted to do. Yeah. And then I was just about to take them, and then I heard, "Pops, are you in?" And it was my daughter. Wow. She never comes home on a dinner time. Yeah. Never. So I had these drugs in my hands. I was like, shit, I threw them all in the drawer, <laughs> laid back in the bed. She came right. upstairs and she was, oh, are you all right, Dad? You know, and I was like, yeah, 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 I'm fine. And all that. she just come home to get something. I can't remember what it was because that's another thing. My memory's not what it was. Right. I noticed that. And I, I forget things. But then when she went, I thought, blimey, it's not, I, could, I would have been out of pain and gone. But what would I have left behind? Yeah. My wife, my daughter, my grandson. Uh-huh. You know, it makes me teary now. The, the, the only problem is as well is when you put it all together and you go right I was putting all my affairs in order made sure they weren't going to and then you know you're looking at that and you think that's the right thing to do and then you think about it and you go yeah but then in hindsight they would go he knew what he was going to do yeah and and that's man, man and, that's and then brutal I, I was with the uh, crisis team which I've got to say sort of like a shout out the mental health team in Coventry is a fantastic service and if you are suffering from any mental problems reach out to them they are amazing people yeah seriously the psychiatrist told me that if I killed myself the chances of my daughter or my son killing myself went up by 50% fuck really 50% wow a family member and normally children will take their life if you do and so I thought about that and I thought you know what 
that's one option I'm not going to take then yeah, right? yeah I'll have to live through the pain and suffering and uh-huh. I can't put them through it yeah but it's been a long long year and you know I'm just starting to get out of the well this is it without you know without sounding cliched man because you know first of all as I said to you you know before we even met you were an inspiration to me and then when I first started do, doing jujitsu, you know you you put me on the right path and kept me on the right path and not only that you've just always been a good friend when I first saw you and first found out that you were struggling I think the enormity of what was you were going through hit me when I was speaking to Paul Hudson and you know like Paul's awesome because Paul just turned around and he goes yeah Brian's mad and he goes yeah but do you know what Mick so am I he goes I'm fucking mad I've not told you and then he starts telling me and then he goes what about you and I said oh yeah and I went dude I thought I was the only one and l- literally you know obviously I'm really really fortunate because I understand what triggers me so I avoid all of that I also know what makes me happy so I do nearly all of that all the time yeah. and it's like now hard sparring can't do it and literally I just turn around and go I can't spar first of all I'm 48 I haven't really got anything to prove anymore even when I was good I never really had anything to prove because I never went down that route never bought into it but if I lose my hearing in my other ear yeah. that I, 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 a life of life of silence man no chance and that, that isn't worth having a tear up with some 20 year old no, and the thing is with depression you know when you get there when you've also got a physical manifestation that's there yeah that's causing it's like a vicious circle well if I wasn't dizzy and I didn't have these headaches I wouldn't be depressed yes but I have this dizziness I have these headaches so it's making me depressed yeah so but you know you start thinking that it is what it is and you've got to at first I thought I could never live with this but I am starting to live with it and the dizziness is fading. The more I accept it, yeah. the more it's part of my life, the more I'm getting better. The the but depression... Isn't that, isn't that mad? Yeah. Because I was fighting it before. I was like, people say, oh, don't think about being... don't Just don't think about it. And I'm like, when you wake up and you can't walk down the stairs or you can't drive properly, yeah, you can't even go in the kitchen and cook. If anyone's ever had seasickness, got off a boat, yeah, and you just... You're constantly... Yeah, you're constantly rotating. Yeah, yeah, and that's and that's what my life was like. It's and it's it has faded, but that drove me into a deep, deep depression. Yeah, deep. And then in the end, I thought to myself, you know what? These tablets they're giving me. I was on so many different tablets, and I I weaned myself off them. And the biggest getting off uh, diazepam. You know, another thing that's really annoys me. People say to you, "Oh, you're a fighter, bro. You'll get through this." Crock of shit. Right. There's a difference between a physical fight and a physical dealing with you know bring it on yeah and that's not bragging I can yeah. deal with anything like that if I can deal with it this ain't physical yeah. this is a fight that's going on inside your own head yeah. are you crazy is, am I going mad why am I losing my memory why can't I remember what happened yesterday why am I having, why am I having these headaches that if you had a gun you'd shoot yourself because the pain is and it, it, it becomes like it's not nothing it's nothing physical about it whatsoever no why are you crying why are you constantly crying all day what is it that's making you cry and I'll tell you why I'm crying because I am in so much fucking pain yeah you know you get armbar that's pain yeah this, this is yeah but you, this is a hundred again you get armbar or you get punched yeah that's nothing yeah but it's not going to last forever no but and it, it's nothing but, but what you're on about is never ending it's right it's never ending from the minute I get I used to get into, back into all, all I look forward to was taking my pills that put me to sleep wow and you're talking about a guy that went jiu-jitsu every day 
boxing lessons, uh, British Combat Association with Matty, yeah. three times a week, out on my bike every day, walking every day, every day, not... I went to jiu-jitsu on a Sunday. Well, I, I remember I remember coming to see you one day when we were talking, and uh, I said, you're doing anything? And you were like, I, I can manage to walk the dog. And that was it. And I was like, really? And then it killed me, because I said, spoke to Al and about it, because Al, you know, Al's like, Al's like one of the loveliest men on the planet, right? And I was like, uh, because I don't want Brian to think that I'm, yeah, I'm being nosy. Is, is he all right? Is he? I don't, but don't, don't let him know that I know. You know all of that secrets out now, Al. But it, he was, and then he went like, he goes, if we can fuck someone like him up, because there's no help for any, no hope for any of us. He said because you know, and again, it's like seventeen stone. How tall are you? Six foot one. You know what I mean, dude. As I said, and that's another thing, you know, and that's just ego. I'm used to walking around at seventeen stones, solid, yeah, muscle. And within this year now, I've lost it. Yeah. So it's paranoia. You know, I think I'm skinny now. I'm probably about <laughs> sixteen four. But to me, I've lost my muscle mass, and that plays on your mind. But do you know what? It's only you. Yeah. It's it's, it's egotistical. You want to be big, but it, it means shit. It doesn't mean nothing. But to me, you know, it's it's crazy. Yeah, but you, maybe you know, is this like the, just the next stage of the development? Just being 17 stone in your head now between your ears yeah it is because even when I was 17 stone I look in the mirror and I think oh god I'm so thin really yeah and I had, I had a bat like you were, yeah, <laughs> you know I mean? yeah yeah bat like Charles Atlas yeah, yeah you know I was benching ridiculous weights you know leg pressing templates aside wow you know and that's after jiu-jitsu Jesus Christ and then from there at home eat Matty's class go and do some boxing or something so what, what so how, how do you manage it now is it just acceptance acceptance that I know that that, that person that I did all that I can never do that again right. but it doesn't mean to say that I can't go back to jiu-jitsu yeah. my doctor said you know new year but I can't get choked out I've already had a word with Stuart it's going to be more of a technical yeah I should still roll but I should be very selective who I roll with because I can't get choked out no I'll never put a pair of boxing gloves on and spar again in my life no. Because I can't get punched in the head. I have accepted it, you know. I'm 50-something, mate. Yeah. Just accept it. Well, you see, this is, the, you know, it, it is mad because right now, with me personally, I have the same thing where I keep saying to people, you know, you got to remember 99% of the population, they get punched on the nose. And guess what? That is like a cup of cocoa. They want to go to bed. I say, I don't want you to be that. I want you, that's an alarm clock. Yeah. And then I, I yeah, and I keep saying all of this, look, I've got the hearing aid so you don't have to get the hearing aid. I've, I've been choked out so you don't have to be choked out. And then half of me is going, you know what, I think some of you guys could do with getting choked out. And then, then that's that whole, am I looking after them or yeah, what am I doing? It's that choice thing again. Yeah. If you want to forge your sword, which I did, yeah. by choice, that's what I wanted. You have to train with people that are going to forge your sword. And if you want to go down yeah. the other route, which is a, a softer route, there's nothing wrong with that either. No. If that's your choice in life, do it. I choose, like when I choose to go back to jiu-jitsu, I will go a learning path. Because you know what, mate? There's a black belt out there with my name on it, and I will get it. Definitely. 100%. You know, I'll get through this. I'll get out of the side. And then, you know, I'll coach. That's my goal. To get back into shape is my goal as well. You know, I go to the gym and I've got... Do you know what? Can I just say as well, people should know this. People talk about who do jiu-jitsu and people who box and people who do this and people who do these sports are animals. They're, you know, they're frowned upon. They get bad names. But do you know what? That community has been the most supportive for me. 
Really? So-called thugs. Well, you do jiu-jitsu, you do MMA, <laughs> you're a thug. You're, you know. Yeah. These are the people that have reached out to me. Yeah. I had a, a message from John B. Will. Yeah, John's the man, right? He sent me a text saying, what you've done by speaking about mental illness is a massive thing because a lot of us do it and we're scared to talk about it. And guess what? I'm not fucking scared to talk about it. No. I have been mentally ill and I have got mental problems. But if I can help one person by doing this, it'll make my day. Well, you see, you know, you, you've hit the nail on the head. Yeah, I've spoken to Nathan Leverton at length about this and speak to Mark Goddard about this as well. The amount of guys, especially in the MMA, because jiu-jitsu is bad enough, right? But MMA, these guys are having gym wars. They're kicking the shit out of each other. Not for titles. This is sparring. Sparring. You know, Rory McDonald, you know, when I interview him, it makes me sound like I'm like name-dropping a rendezvous. But Rory McDonald's probably the best example I can give you. Me and him were chatting and I had to apologise to him because I forgot he was 27. Because I was like, but you've been around forever. And he went, he goes, buddy, some days I feel like I'm 50. And I was like, you're joking me. And he's, he was like, I should be where Conor McGregor is now. Yeah. I should be. He said, but do you know what I did? Broke my nose. I was told to have six weeks off. I did three weeks. I came back. It was like, he, he, like, he was saying when he fought Robbie, when he fought Robbie Lawler. Robbie Lawler. He had his nose broken in the second round and he swallowed his own blood for the rest of the fight. And you're like, what were you thinking? And he was like, young, immortal. And it's like he said, he goes, he has an exit strategy. And he was a guy, and when someone like him says it, he was saying, in five years' time, there'll be guys coming up with mental mental health problems. And he goes, all we need is one guy to do a Chris Benoit to go and kill his family and go mad and then the next thing you know the papers love a kung fu killer story right yeah it's bad it's bad well this cte you can't be diagnosed with it it can be a suggestion right. which has been suggested to me depression yeah suicidal thoughts headaches dizziness they're all within this realm and these fighters now like you just mentioned fighters like robbie lawler these at vanderlei silva these war yeah, you guarantee this CTE will be in years to come. It's going to be at the forefront of boxers, MMA. You know the ones that don't get hit are the clever ones. <laughs> Your Mayweathers. <laughs> okay, who are you telling? Yeah, do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Got to give it, yeah. Sugar Ray Leonard. Look at Sugar Ray Leonard. So articulate. Sure, the, Tommy Earns. Look, watch him get interviewed. Tommy Earns is another hero of mine. He can't string a sentence together. Look at Ken Norton. Yeah. Ken Norton, you speak to Ken Norton, you think you think that he was born with brain damage now. That, that, and that guy doesn't even look like Ken Norton anymore. It just shows you, know you I mean? that if you're doing that lifestyle that I chose, you don't have to have competed in boxing or you don't... If you're sparring and you're, you know, and you're having these gym wars, it's a possibility that you can and could get brain damage. Yeah. You know, and that brain damage is massive with depression. M- massive yeah and for when people like myself who get that sort of stuff it's so hard to accept yeah but I, I can do this I'm fucking tough as fucking old <laughs> why am I lying in my bed yeah. in the fetal position crying my eyes out like a little baby uh-huh. and, and I don't know why no why is am I watching EastEnders and something silly happens yeah and I'm oh my god really? and my wife's like are you crying no but this has been wow. going on and off for years it's not it, I just buried it yeah. You know, it's just, you know, I don't know what it is. It's just crazy. But you, you, again, it's the fact that you're just prepared to come out and talk about it. And it, again, it's like, you know, Paul Hudson, 
when Paul said it, and Paul will turn around and Paul will say, yeah. And, and, and I love the way that Paul does it because Paul will say it to you, looking to see whether or not you're judgmental about it. Yeah. Because he's going, no, no, but it's normal for me. That's the that's the way you've got to look at it. Yeah. The new type of normal. But, you know, I don't know, bro, what do you reckon? Are we like the cautionary tale for the next generation of guys coming forward? Yeah, I, I would say sparse mark. Just, just be careful because you know you don't. When you're young, like I say, I've been doing it for like thirty years. It's great when you're young and you're sparring and you're having wars and and you're sort of like you've got an ego, there's blood <laughs> everywhere, and you're like, yeah, we've done that, and you hug each other afterwards. But then, like you say, it has a price. Yeah, it has a price. Yeah, you know, like my son now, like I tell him, you know, don't get into that. Do your jiu-jitsu. Don't be getting punched in the head. Yeah. you know what I mean well that, it's funny because uh, yeah how, how is Shiraz what's he up to these days still joining yeah he, he's just gone back to Jiu Jitsu he's gone back over to um, Roger Grace's academy in um, it's Pinder's place oh Pinder's place yeah. is he yeah. oh right and my, and my daughter's gone back there yeah oh fair play fair play and with Nazalanga yeah yeah Naz is good man yeah Jack yeah it's like my son Jack Jack's not interested in anything like you know he's a special needs teacher yeah. and it's like he's, like, he's going no no I, I it loves jujitsu. Be proud of being a special needs teacher. Yeah, yeah, but you know what I mean? He's like this. He's like, I don't want to put, why would I want to punch another human being in the face? Yeah. And you're looking at it, you go, nah, that's my hero. That's the yeah. man. And i tell you what, we're going to round out on this. If there was one thing you could have done differently, what would it have been? Do you know what? I don't have no regrets because that's the life I loved. I did it, like I say, and I'll say it again, I did it for me. I was so selfish. Yeah. I just wanted to be a sponge Everything I do, I have to be good at. Just, I just like to be good. Like I'm doing jiu-jitsu. I want to be good at jiu-jitsu. Yeah. I, I don't have to be the best. I have to be good for me. Yeah. Yeah. Just for me. It's for me. And another one of my problems is I never thought I'd been good at anything. When people say to me, oh, you're good at jiu-jitsu, I'm like, I'm shit. Really? Yeah. Wow. I've never... If you know anyone that knows me, I've never bragged or never talked about how right. good I am. Because I don't believe I am good. Yeah, but I've always had to tell people how good you are. And then you, I remember for a long time... It, that embarrasses me. Yeah, but you used to be pissed off at me for saying it. Yeah, yeah, because, you know, you can't... Those people who walk around saying they're brilliant, it's not for them to say they're brilliant. No. It's not, you know, it's, you're not... Unless you are brilliant. Uh, I'm not. But, you know, they, they, <laughs> but there are brilliants out there. There is. Uh, they, you know, the, the one thing is, you know, look at the, some of the guys we mentioned today. This is... The one, the one thing I, I, I look at it, it's... Yeah. Neil Braulio. Exactly. Jeff. John Will. Ugh. You know what I mean? That, that, this is it. Jeff Thompson. Even now, as I always say to Jeff, you know, if it wasn't for him, I wouldn't I, you know, I wouldn't have even started my chance. Matty Evans. Matty Evans. Glenn again. Smith. Exactly. Glenn Smith, the guy who made boxing into a kid-friendly sport where you can grade in it. Yeah. And they, you know, they spar. That's genius. Skill sparring. Yeah. Skill sparring. Yeah. None of those kids from the red corner go looking for chalk. No. None of them do. And, that, and, and that's another good thing, like, going back to my lab. Most placid, easygoing, and that's how you should be. Be approachable. Be nice. Hey, yeah, it's like I always say, man, yeah, martial arts is like this. Investing in the best airbag and anti-locking braking system on the planet. That's what it is. But the minute that I have to put my foot on the brakes and I haven't planned it, or the airbag gets deployed, I've got bigger problems than whether or not it works or not. You know yeah. what I mean? I say, you know, when I teach kids, I always say the same thing. Best airbag, best anti-locking braking system. But while they're training, I'm teaching them not to drive like an idiot. And parents are like, wow. And I went, 
but by driving like an idiot, I mean going through life like an idiot. And they go, wow. And they're still, yeah, both with, with hearing, with your health issues at the moment. I, I you know, paid a little bit, paid a little bit more than I, I, I wanted to anyway. Oh, for sure. But get to meet wonderful characters like you, man. Cheers, man. You know what I mean? And it's, it's the truth, you know? A life of mediocrity isn't for us. And unfortunately, it's a price we have to pay. You know what I mean? You want to be mediocre, then great. And you'll be fit and healthy, but you'll have 70 years on the planet where you might not have really lived. Yeah, because you know what? We can still, like, 50's no age. I feel now I've still got so much to give, you know. Like when I used to roll with Stuart, even I used to have to say to Stuart sometimes, you forget how old I am. Yeah. You know, and he'd be like, he'd be like yeah, yeah. Because, you know, me and Stuart would have rolls for an hour. Yeah. And it wouldn't be, it'd be just a war. I'd say, Stu, you're 30, I'm 50-something. But here's, here's, the, here's the last and last, last one I'm going to say. Right, you've got it now, you're back fit, healthy, you can only roll with one person, right? Anyone in history that you can, but it's going to, it has to be, because you're selfish, right? It has to be the best role for Brian Collier on that day. Who would you pick? There's only one person I would pick to roll with jiu-jitsu, uh, Henzo Gracie. He's the man, I tell you. Yeah, yeah. He is the man. I t that guy's one charismatic dude. I tell you something. Even my wife liked him, and my wife doesn't really like many people. He's just out of all the graces. He, I mean, obviously Rogers Henzo is just he, uh, He's a he's an attractable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, I've never met him, but I just know I'd like. No, I'd like to be around him. Is, he, this is what we'll do then, with, dear listener. You're listening to this now. This is a deal. We're going to go over. Go to New York. Hey, man, I've done it four times now. Go over, train at Henzo's. You can train at Marcelo's, which is two blocks further down. The Meow Brothers are down there as well. And you train with Danaha at seven in the morning. And Henzo will... No, we train, we train with Danaha maybe, but it'll always be there at midday. But you'll, you'll catch Henzo. And when you catch him in, I'm telling you something. He is one of those... Only, honestly, he's the only person I've ever met that you meet him and he is a rock star. We walked from his academy to Madison Square Garden, which is like half a block. And you're in, you know what it's like, you walk in London and no matter how famous you are, people will ignore you, right? Henzo was stopped 20 times. Jeez. But not for selfies. For guys who were like, hey, my friend, how you doing? And he's stopping it. And you're just like, that guy there is the epitome of just what, uh, you know, what the human existence is all about. Everybody loves him. You know, he's just yeah. the coolest guy ever, man. And that's what we're going to do. We're going to go to New York. Sounds like a plan to me. There we are, brother. Thank you for my, thank you for the time, man. Thanks for taking the time to listen today. You can listen to more shows like this on MixedMartialArts.com. Mixed Martial Arts is an abrupt audio production. Today's show was produced by Luke Berry. Thanks for listening, guys. I hope you really enjoyed today's show. Today's show is sponsored by the BJJShop.co.uk. These guys have got everything, including all those really hard-to-find items that you just can't find anymore. And they've got an awesome line in the hard life gear. Check it out. Those geese are like tanks, man. They are bulletproof. All right. Peace out, guys. Wow.